Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave, Becky, and producer JL. John Luke Shapiro is here with us as well. You've got the full crew uh, on Live from the Blue Seats, and that is apropos this week as we are coming to you a day early uh, on Wednesday instead of Thursday because of the absolutely monstrous, monumental, huge news that broke right around, uh, you know, I guess it was about three in the afternoon on Tuesday and kind of solidified some sometime between seven and eight, I guess that everything was made fully official at 8 PM uh, on Tuesday evening. And that of course is the long awaited uh, the, the never ending story. That was the Patrick Kane saga came to a close with Kane being trade traded to the Rangers for a couple of draft picks, a couple of minor league prospects moving kind of here and there, Arizona uh, entering the fray as the third team uh, in the mix to kind of make all of the cap stuff work. And we're going to talk about all of that with you. There is a lot to chew on here, uh, all against the backdrop of what has been maybe the strangest week in the history of the New York Rangers uh, and how they had to kind of what they had to do to get here and finally complete this deal. So with that, uh, I'll bring in you, Dave, first. Uh, how are you feeling about Patrick Kane to the New York Rangers? I'm trying to, from a pure hockey perspective, and I know we're going to get into some of the other things later, it's very hard not to like the trade. And I get why there are people who are a little cautious on it because Kane's numbers this year are not the way you'd expect to see Patrick Kane's numbers. But you can't really argue with the fact that the Rangers are better. I mean, Jimmy Feezy's not in the top six. They don't have to break up the kid line. They have what I'm calling a top line and two second lines or two top lines and a second line, however you want to look at it. Like, there are very few teams, even the Devils adding Timo Meyer and the Leafs adding every other player under the sun, basically. They don't have the scoring depth. Boston's a one-line team that is very good, but is still a one-line team. What teams are going to be able to defensively match with this top nine? Uh, I don't see how you can look at this at anything other than a net positive on the ice. And while I am internally torn and will get there, the, the Rangers are a better team. And this was a not a steal of a deal, but definitely a discounted price for Kane. So I'm good. Becky, throughout the course of uh, the last few weeks when this has come up, you know, you were, I think I'll let you kind of describe your feelings to to folks yourself. I don't want to speak for you, but the term that you kept using was that this doesn't necessarily fill a need. Do you still feel that way? And overall, how do you feel about the deal now that it is kind of complete and uh, official? I don't think, I think it's a luxury. So, like, I'm sorry, John Luke, I'm about to trigger you again, but it feels a lot like when the Mets, like, got Correa and then didn't get oh, Correa. I'm thanks. So, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, nothing but love here. But, um, like, I don't, I don't think, I, I'm not upset about the trade. Like, let's be very clear about that. Like, I'm not mad that they made the trade. 
but um, it didn't feel like they were looking at their lineup and saying like, okay, where is like a void we have to fill and let's specifically address that. But at the same time, that's like, if you're shopping and like, you know, you don't really need jewelry, but you have this like ridiculous um, sale on, you know, a five carat diamond, like you're going to get it. You're not going to be an idiot about it. Right. Like it's not like it's going to hurt your team. I think that it'll be interesting to see that, the way, not that, it'll be interesting to see the way that Gallant messes with the lines coming up just to see what works. And I think that it's going to be an interesting time and they, they need to have some time to flesh out where where people fit. Because like I want to see, you know, like I've Rob, Rob's heard this for like 24 straight hours, but like I want to see, you know, Mika and Kreider with Kane. But then, like, also, you should give Kane the opportunity to play with Panarin because they had such great chemistry in the past. So, like, what do you, you know, I, I don't think there's a right. Like, I, I think if anyone's looking at the lines on Thursday night and they're like, oh, this isn't what I wanted, like, okay, chill out. Like, <laughs> give it a few minutes. We got, we all know Gallant doesn't, doesn't stick to a line anyway. So, um, the other point I want to say, and I was thinking about this more, because like over the course of the week, I really it went from like really not wanting him to being like, I'm okay with it. And now I'm like, okay, this is exciting. This allows the kid line to like, I think organically be kid line, you know, that they can grow now. There was not so much pressure on them. There's not so much pressure that if they have one or two bad games, they're going to be split up. And the spotlight is not necessarily on them. Not that I don't think they can handle it because they obviously obviously played very well in the playoffs last year, but um, I just like I think it allows them a little bit more space to breathe without so much pressure, and I think that like good shit's going to come from that. So, two things: one, thank you for calling them the kid line and not the boys to men line. That was horrible. <laughs> it's the end of the road. Can, I think we can all agree, like. Emily Kaplan does an amazing job. That was not one of her finest moments calling it the boys <laughs> to men. That was, I'm sorry. No. That was just objectively bad. Um, but oh, Becky, something you said really kind of caught my attention with comparing it to, you know, you're in the jewelry store and you're not mm-hmm. going to say no to it, but you kind of want it. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all kind of forgetting that, the Rangers weren't in the jewelry store. They had walked past it. They said, we had spent all of our money. We're going to just go to Dollar General, pick up, you know, a pack of Pop-Tarts and call it a day. (laughs) And then all of a sudden the jewelry store was like, hey, we're only going to sell this piece to you and you're going to get it for 50% off. And yeah, the piece is a little old and outdated and comes with some shady history. Like, I don't know, whatever. um, I'm drawing a blank on my history here with the last woman in Russia to get uh, beheaded by the guillotine. I'm drawing a blank. I was Marie Antoinette. Yes. That's so that was not Russia. Wasn't that in France? <laughs> That's France, not Russia. I know where Sweden. you're going with that. Dave, you should really probably stop it. right now. Yeah. Anyway, I completely lost the jewelry store analogy, but the Rangers were out on Kane. They were not pursuing Kane. They were scouting Chicago. I'm going to hope for Sam Lafferty. You don't need to scout Patrick Kane. They were scouting everywhere. They wanted a, four, a fourth line center. And then all of a sudden, 
what I believe happened was Kane's agents, agent and PR team leaked that all they wanted was the Rangers and Kane's going to pressure the team to go to the Rangers, knowing what Jim Dolan would do. And Dolan did what Dolan does, which is pressure and say, hey, I want this guy too. So and that's I think what happened. A, yeah, and there's a lot more to dig into there, and I definitely want to. But I want to get John Luke's uh, thoughts and feelings as a fan. You know, how do you feel about, you know, Kane coming to the Rangers, JL? <sighs> you know, it, it's kind of relieving now that everything's over with. You know, like Becky had mentioned, you know, this rings very similar to the Correa thing. And I knew a lot more than what the public knew in regards to that whole situation Ooh, and it was insider. Very, insider it was very it was very exhausting let me just say and it was always kind of like right there and then obviously we all know what happened it, it fell apart because the guy's ankle is put together with duct tape and staples so i was getting a very similar feeling here with kane um obviously the jewelry store analogy was good before dave lost it um yeah my but bad. uh <laughs> no you're good but you know it's it's interesting and, and you know you, you know becky talked about you know it being a luxury it really is a luxury because realistically speaking this team needed a fourth line center and another defenseman if you really thought about it but at the end of the day if patrick kane is basically saying i'll play for you give chicago no leverage and says look we'll give you up for uh a watered, to, you know, a watered down version of the New York Post, an umbrella and a baseball. Uh, sure, okay, we'll take it. You know, what does it hurt? You know, you're gonna have Kane more than likely play with Panarin, like was mentioned again, and and Tarasenko will play with Zibanejad, like you know, again that was mentioned. The kid line is gonna be the kid line, and um, you know, fourth line, Goodrow, VC, and Mott. How can you possibly go wrong with that? You know, they're trying to capitalize on this first big opportunity that they've had after last season's uh, conference final run. The team is better. The team has more skill. The kids are a little bit more developed. The defense is so much stronger, in my opinion, this year. Um, mm -hmm. And they'll have now a couple of weeks to really gel together. My overall feelings are is this. I was more I didn't think it was going to happen, so I was kind of uh, passive on it. But then, you know, in the middle of work today, I look at my phone and I see that everything's like official, official. And I say, wow, like this guy that I used to watch play for the Blackhawks and win all these cups is now a Ranger. Granted, it's not the same guy from 2011, but I mean, I'll take a hobbled down Patrick Kane over, you know, uh, Sam Lafferty on my top six any single day of the week. You never know what can happen. And that's ultimately what this is. I, you know, feelings aside on his character and his personality and all that, whatever, you know, that will be discussed later on, I guess. But like as a pure hockey trade, the team is far better than it was before. And nobody can deny that. And it is very exciting, you know, and I'm going to try and get yeah. tickets for that game on Thursday. So no one try and steal them for me. <laughs> I mean, the word. So that... I'm gonna ask something that I know you're gonna say no to, but I have to ask: Are you allowed to share any of that info regarding Korea? I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure that there are people that want to know, even though this is a hockey pod. Hello. Might have to. <laughs> might have to. 
might have so listened I, to mesmerized online i think no it it wasn't oh. it wasn't on mmo this is on this is on a, a a message board that i'm a part of i all i can say is this is i was i can't exactly tell because a good journalist or a good broadcaster doesn't reveal his sources no you don't reveal your sources I, don't do that i i, I can't don't, don't reveal don't reveal and can, if it's no it's a no but I had that. But ask. I but I but I will say this just to kind of appease a little bit here. I can say that I knew I knew of the deal or the proposed deal that was agreed upon literally 10 minutes before John Heyman broke the news. And that's as farthest as I'll go. So all the stuff that was coming out, I knew what was real and what was not. That's all I'll tell you. So that's power. Yeah, no, I want to go back is. to um, <clears throat> or at least the, the word that keeps coming to my mind and the emotion really is that this is it's surreal in a lot of ways. Even some of the imagery that we've seen on social media in the, in the couple of hours here since it's made, been made official of Kane in the blue sweater, number 88 in the iconic Ranger font. Right. And he goes from wearing the iconic Blackhawk sweater to the iconic Ranger sweater. And it's just again, regardless of what you think of him as a player now, of him as a person, this is one of the game's biggest stars, unquestionably, um, forcing a move to one of the game, the game's biggest market in pursuit of a championship. And this is the kind of stuff that I say this all the time on the podcast. And if you ever talk to me about sports, uh, whether on Twitter or in real life, I'll, I'll say it out loud all the time, probably to the point of annoyance. But this is the kind of stuff that happens in other sports, particularly the NBA and the NFL to some extent that just mm. does not happen in hockey very often. There's not a lot of drama, right? There's not a lot of intrigue about player movement. And we had ourselves a full saga this past week with the, with, with when this became a real possibility, what the Rangers had to go through to get here. And now again, we can argue. And I think what we really can argue it today, we probably will talk about it when the season ends, uh, what was it worth it? And I think we all know the answer to that question is going to be pretty easy, right? If they win a cup, probably we're going to say it's totally worth it. If they don't win a cup, and especially if they fall well short, we're going to look back on it and be like, wow, that was a pretty ugly week plus for this franchise, you know, just to do that, right? For for two and a half, three months of Patrick Kane for what? But, you know, look, I'm not trying to put bad, you know, vibes in the air right now, but it's just the backdrop of the whole move is surreal. But I think ultimately it's something that is exciting. It's uh, the entertainment value of the Rangers now. I mean, they truly are must-see TV. This is about as close as you can get in the league to a super team. If you just look at the star power, right, from even if you want to include uh, the kid line in that because they became kind of a known quantity in the hockey world because of the playoffs last year. But Adam Fox on the blue line, Igor Shesterkin in goal, and that top six it doesn't get much better than that. In a salary cap league, this is about as many stars as you can pack onto one roster. Will it work? That's up to Gerard Gallant. It's also up to the players, frankly. Um, you know, I don't want to crib from another podcast too much, but I did listen to uh, the Athletics podcast. Arthur Staple has Steve Valaket on as he's the regular co-host. Uh, the Garden Faithful is the name of that show. Really good weekly show. And I definitely encourage you to check it out. Of course, as long as you're also listening to us every week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they were just talking about, you know, the importance now of, of the players needing to accept their roles on the team, right? And Becky, you were alluding to this a little bit with the kid line, but how it kind of puts them in a position to succeed. Somebody's going to get knocked off the first power play unit, presumably. 
Gerard Gallant is going to have to do big time personality management, which is what NBA coaches often struggle with the most. It's not the scheme and the, and the, and the, the structure it's managing all the stars. When you have a big time team like that, you know, if the, if the, the, the Panarin Trocek uh, Kane combo isn't really working out, or if you, or if, or if the top line isn't working out and you need to mix things up, Gerard Gallant's job is to go manage Patrick Kane and Panarin and say, Hey guys, I know you're, I know you're best friends, but you can't play together. It's not working for the team. So the importance of everybody, I think accepting their role over the next 22 regular season games, plus we hope about 20 more playoff games resulting in the Rangers winning the last of those games is paramount here. Um, The other thing I think that is important to note, and again, I'm cribbing a little bit from some of the stuff that Valley shared on the podcast, the garden faithful podcast, but I think I want to just end, I want to kill the myth right now that despite the fact of what we saw over the last four games where the Rangers really struggled to, to, to suppress shots off the rush, this is not a bad defensive team. This is actually by most metrics an average to above average defensive team. They do not bleed shots and scoring chances the way they did in the first part of last year or the last five years of Henrik Lundqvist's, uh, you know, uh, tenure in goal. And and when they're on their game, the Rangers actually do not give up a lot of shots in terms of quantity or a lot of quality scoring chances. And one of the things that I think Valley mentioned on that show is that they had a pretty much the same amount of uh, high di- high danger scoring chances as Tampa did in the in the uh, in the Eastern Conference Final last year. But the Rangers got a bunch of those in games one and two, and then Tampa figured out how to stop them in games three through six. The problem for the Rangers was generating offense. The problem for the Rangers was getting shots from quality areas of the ice. Patrick Kane helps solve that problem. And that is why I think this ultimately is a good move for the team. So that's kind of just what I wanted to get off my chest from a, a top line perspective. Um, Dave, you brought up kind of, and Becky as well with the, you know, uh, kind of the, the luxury item that is Patrick Kane and the fact that the Rangers weren't, you know, high end, high end shopping anymore due to the Tarasenko thing, the involvement of James Dolan here. One thing I do want to call out as well, which is not insignificant if you follow the other team at the garden is that Patrick Kane is a client of CAA, which is Creative Artists Agency. It's a huge, you know, entertainment and sports agency uh, that represents athletes and movie stars and all that stuff. CAA is basically the, has the contract of almost every New York Knicks player. And there have been these conspiracy theories going back back 15 years about James Dolan and how he's actually owned by CAA. And they're actually the shadow organization that's running Madison Square Garden behind the scenes. So I'm sort of saying this tongue in cheek, but I do wonder, Dave, you brought up Dolan. If, you know, he's got friends at CAA, he, he would have known Patrick Kane's a CAA athlete. And did that grease the skids a little bit here? It's Dolan. We know he meddles. And as much as we want to say he doesn't meddle with the Rangers, it's he doesn't meddle with them as much. He does get involved. And if you think, if you're sitting there and you think that Dolan ignores hockey, I got I got a bridge to sell you. Because <laughs> this is a guy that has a, an asset worth $2 billion with a B billion and he's not going to pay attention to it he's forking over um what 80 to 90 million dollars in salary every year and that doesn't include health insurance all all of the travel expenses all the per diems everything for the announcers it doesn't cover any of that it's 80 million just on the player salaries this guy is spending i would say at least 150 million dollars a year on this team 
and he's yeah, not going to try to get Patrick Kane in, in, especially with the connections with CAA. Come on. Yeah, That's not a conspiracy I, theory. That's a thousand percent fact at this point. Right. At least. To but me. I think crucially, the, the point I think that I want to make here is this, is that all, people are basically saying that Dolan came in and made this happen. But if that were true, fully true, he's definitely involved. I'm not, I'm not denying that, Dave. But Dolan also would have okayed the Vladimir Tarasenko trade. And when Chris Drury executed that trade, he had to get approval from his owner. That's how this stuff works, right? So he would have told James Dolan at that point, hey, look, we really can't go get Patrick Kane now. There's not going to be enough cap space. And Dolan was presumably okay with that. Again, yes. this whole thing only comes together because Kane does the whiny athlete thing. And let's just call it what it is. We see it all the time in other sports. And I'm sure we have no problem, especially given Kane's very, very questionable past, uh, calling him a whiny athlete. That's the least of things you could call Patrick Kane, right? He did the whiny athlete thing. He cried after the Vladimir Tarasenko trade publicly, which is something hockey players never do. And then he basically told his agents and his and the people with, you know that represent him, go out there and make enough noise in the market and get the Blackhawks to lower the price. And that's what happened. So at, it became a deal. And this is why I think ultimately it's a difficult to really be, be hard on the Rangers for what they had to give up to get him. What they ultimately paid was peanuts compared to what it would have been if this player was on the open market with all contenders in the mix to, to, to acquire him. So they get him at a steep discount. He only wants to come here. That should result in a highly motivated player with a legacy on the line coming here and playing his best. So, um, but I just, I think that people kind of forgot part a of that whole sequence, which was Dolan approved the Tarasenko trade. He knew about it. It's not like Drury made that trade without his owner knowing about it. So at that point, the whole organization was out on Patrick Kane and they were okay with it. So I, I think just this, I don't want to overplay Dolan's influence here. I think he certainly had influence. I think the CAA connection is frankly funny given all the weird stuff that you see on, on the Knicks side of the house. Uh, when they're playing poorly, obviously they're playing really well now. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to what, what could be a really exciting spring at MSG for both teams. But I just think that this thing did come together very dramatically, but in a somewhat organic matter. This was not James Dolan going to Chris Drury, forcing this, telling him, Hey, you got to send all these guys to the minors, do what you got to do to make the cat math work. We'll play shorthanded. I don't care. That was not Dolan doing any of that. That was. That was just what happened because Patrick Kane lowered his, he made his demands public. So, um, yeah. Well, if I, if I can add, uh, to that, uh, being a fan of a couple of teams that have owners that are kind of suspect, uh, well in the past for some, uh, the thing that I've noticed with Dolan is Dave's right. He, he doesn't just not care about the Rangers. I mean, like you said, you have this enormously valuable asset you're not just gonna you know go off in your blues band and not think about it every time there's a big signing every time there's a big you know acquisition or whatever like i remember very vividly when they uh when the rangers got pavel Bure and the press conference they held and dolan was there and you could tell just from you know obviously this is you know older than you know a lot of our younger fans can remember but you know he was there in person basically saying i'm ready and willing to spend money on the team and honestly that's fine you know when it comes to the knicks it seems like he's a little bit more knowledgeable 
or at least not knowledgeable, but just more, he, he kind of knows more about it from what I see. So he meddles a lot more in that because he knows that that's even a bigger moneymaker and he wants to make sure that that's really, you know, his crown jewel. But, you know, it, it, evidence of Dolan, you know, and contrary to what a lot of reports say, it, it doesn't really come together that he wasn't as involved. The whole Tom Wilson situation with, uh, you know, the team being soft and getting blown out of the building by the Islanders and, and all that debacle, you know, he was involved in that 100%. A lot of people say, Oh no, that wasn't really it. You know, this, he was over, they were planning to let them go already, but no, they were going to, um, they were going to let go of them and absolutely, you know, make a decision to try and better the team because Dolan's ego for the team was hurt, you know? So, the only difference is, is when he makes decisions on the Rangers, he tends to trust the hockey people a little more than he does with the Knicks. And honestly, I'm fine with that as long as he keeps it to that. I've been a fan of a team where the owner tends to meddle and it ruins the team too much. Um, so, yeah, you're right. You know, the Tarasenko trade was made. Realistically, at the time, there wasn't much room for Kane unless like special circumstances happen. It's not like this was calculated. It's the perfect storm. And, you know, the owner's going to put a little bit more oomph behind it. So, you know, I could totally see how a lot of that could make sense. But also, let's not totally, and this is going to sound weird coming from me, you know, let's totally not get too harsh on Dolan. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, they do everything together as an organization. So I didn't mean it in a negative way that Dolan no, I know. was saying, no, I know. oh, you have to go out and get him. Um, I just wanted to point out that it was clear the Rangers had moved on from Kane until extremely recently. Right. Yes. And that is a combination of Kane's agents knowing how to play to their clients' needs. And it's hard to discount what we know about Dolan. And that was basically all I was trying to get at. Yeah, I would much rather have a, an order like Dolan who pays for the players and shells the money out as opposed to, say, like the owner of the Oakland A's or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, Dave, again, not to belabor this point too much, but beyond the salaries, which, again, are tied to a cap anyway, and plenty of teams are close to the cap in the NHL or, or even over it at times. But, you know, just the first-class treatment of the of the players across the board, it's why New York is such a destination. You know, I saw a lot of really funny chatter on the internet all week about how, like, why do people want to go to this team? They never win. And I'm like, they are always rated pretty much as like the premier organization by the players and by people inside the game because of how the players are treated, right? Private jets all the time, five-star hotels, like all that stuff. And you would think that that's how it is for every NHL team, but it's not. I mean, there were NHL teams flying commercial not that long ago. That This is the type of stuff that, that, when you have a deep pocketed owner that spends, it makes a difference. And so, you know, Patrick Kane, obviously there's the Panarin thing and there's the fact that the Rangers are original six. And, you know, he, I think as a player on the ice, earned the, earned the right to choose his next destination. Um, and, and he chose the Rangers, I think, because they're, they're a team that kind of protects his on ice legacy. Um, but, you know, it's also none of this happens without the owner spending money to make sure that everything training facilities, again, locker rooms, travel, travel arrangements, all the, all that stuff. And in, yeah, like you said, the training staff, the analytics staff, Chris Drury gets whatever he wants to, 
um, and needs to, to run the, to run the Rangers. So, you know, that, that is the advantage of James Dolan, but of course he is going to get involved. All right. I want to move on to, and this is obviously a subject that I think we, we need to talk about. Um, we're going to try and do it in a way that is delicate and sensitive. Um, there are quite a few fans, I think of the Rangers who are rightfully so, uh, feeling upset by this, very deeply upset by this because of Patrick Kane's history off the ice, right? And he has had two very um, ugly incidents in his past, um, one of which he he uh, assaulted and frankly beat the crap out of a cab driver, him and his brother, over a, a being shorted, he felt, up by, by le- less than a dollar's worth of change. Um, he was, that, that happened, he was convicted of that. Uh, and that was back in, I think, 2010 after their first Stanley Cup. And then there was the rape allegation in 2015, which even though the the, the allegation was tossed and it was, I believe, evidence was was heavily tampered with, if not falsified, um, that is still something that very much exists in his past and something that a lot of people will never be willing to let go. And I think that that's totally fair. So I just, you know, I think, Becky, I might want to start with you here just from the standpoint of, you know, what are the different ways that people can navigate this? And I, and I think, again, there's room for all of them, but I think it's just something that has to be addressed because as I said, I've seen plenty of stuff on social media and things like that, that people are just, you know, not, not too thrilled with this because of who the person is that the Rangers acquired. Yeah. I mean, I don't like him as a person like at all. I was not happy when like he was linked to the Rangers at all. Um, I think if they don't win the cup, I'm going to be like, repulse that he was a New York Ranger and probably even if they do win I might still feel that way um but like it's difficult okay so the thing um obviously I'm I'm a female I identify as a female right and I think that um sexual assault stuff like it's just so much of the burden is on the victim that there's like burden of proof that the whole like trial situation is really unpleasant. Like the justice system does not give a shit. I mean, you want to get really broad about it. Like the laws don't really care about women in general. If you look at anything that's happening in this country lately, but like, we're not going to, you know, this is not the time or the place, but at the same time, okay, let's like, let's take it at face and say that this was falsified and this didn't actually happen. Okay. Right. Let's, we're just doing this as like a, as an exercise because nobody on this podcast and nobody listening to this podcast, except for Patrick Kane and the, you know, alleged victim here, know the answer to this. Okay. Um, the cab incident really pisses me off because you're just a piece of shit. Like, what are you doing? You're beating up a cab driver or like, 13 cents or 30 cents or like whatever it was I mean you shouldn't be beating up anyone it's like you're it's just anyway it just doesn't speak to me as like a good person but that's not the question you asked right the question is like how can we navigate this I think there's a couple of ways listen if this is the breaking point for you with the team and that that's it and you don't want to be a fan of the Rangers anymore because they acquired Patrick Kane this is still a free country. Like you are more than within your rights to not be a Ranger fan anymore. Um, I think a lot of people are extremely dramatic about it on the internet. And I think not every single thought you have that runs through your mind needs to be broadcast, which is something that like candidly 
I didn't know when I was in my early 20s, but like here we are a little bit older and slightly wiser. I think that you just need to be a little bit careful because (laughs) my brother, like whom I adore, always says this. And he says, don't meet your role models, like never meet your heroes, right? Because you don't you don't want to know. Like if you want to look into, if you're going to become a fan of another team because of this, because the Rangers acquired Patrick Kane and he's a, a sus character at best. Um, just make sure that you're doing your due diligence on every single person that is employed by an organization that you're going to now be a fan of, you know? And I don't think, I don't know which professional athlete said this and I'm going to like butcher the quote, but you guys will know. But basically like athletes are not necessarily role models, right? Like that's not, that's not their job. Who said that? You guys know this. I'm not your role model. Deion Sanders. Ah. Yeah. I believe it was Deion Sanders that says I'm not a role. Can you fact check that please? Yeah. (laughs) JL fact. I'm pretty sure it was Deion Sanders says I'm not a role model or something to that effect. I yeah. think that sounds right. He and he certainly strikes me as the type of guy that would say something like that. And yeah. he's a great coach in Colorado now, by the way. Just want to. But that's that what there. that's what I'm saying, though. Like, if you're looking to sports to be your role models, like, okay. But I don't know that you're going to find a team that's going to have you know every single person in the organization be a good person. I saw people on the timeline today being like, <laughs> and today is right Tuesday, so it's the day the trade happened. There were people on the timeline being like, now I'm rooting for whoever the Rangers play, and that's going to be the Devils. And I'm like, they employed Ken Danico. He beat the shit out of, like, at least one wife. Like, are, are we serious now? Or is this what we're doing? And I'm not trying to make light of domestic violence, and I'm not trying to make light of rape allegations, and I'm not trying to make light of assault in general. Like, it's all fucking bad. It's all bad stuff. But I just think that, if you're going to pick your lane, pick your lane. And that's completely a personal choice. And like, no one can fault you for whatever your choice is. But I also think that if you're sitting there passing judgment on others who are like, okay, I'm still going to root for this team or I'm going to root for Kane now, like just be careful before you pass that kind of judgment. If you're going to root for another team, or if you are going to be a fan of an, another public figure who may have a checkered past. Of which there are many, uh, to your point. And I mean, you know, there are countless examples of this. And if you want to go back decades, if you want to go to Ranger teams of two to three years ago that had Tony D'Angelo on the team again. And Brendan Lemieux. Brendan Lemieux. And like Tony D'Angelo, who, by the way, everyone, I mean, like everyone who jumped off the Rangers bandwagon to get on the Canes bandwagon. And we're like, the the Hurricanes have so much character and the bunch of jerks. It's like so funny. And then they signed D'Angelo and I like lost my mind. I was laughing so hard because that's what you get. Like, yeah. that's just the way life is. Well, and I think the, the thing that drives me a little bit crazy about this discussion is people now seem to think that the Rangers have stooped to some level that no other team would ever oh, stoop yeah. to by bringing this guy in. And I can promise you this. If Patrick Kane's agents said, this is a free-for-all, he's open to going anywhere, every single contender would have asked about, would have asked. Every single one. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes, who sure as hell could use a scorer, by the way. If you want to talk about teams that have problems. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, did I say them already? The Boston Bruins, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Islanders, they all would have been in. 
And, and by the way, the price would have been a little bit higher than what the Rangers ended up paying. So I think that the Rangers don't deserve any like special flogging here because they're the ones that said yes to Patrick Kane because he, he went to them and said, I, I will only play for you. And they like bow, they, they like, you know, broke, right. That's not what happened. The Rangers are look, they, they are, uh, a competitive sports entertainment organization. They are interested in two things and two things only making money and winning championships. Patrick Kane can potentially help them do both. I hate to be so crass about it, right? But that is where this all ends up. And that is why I think, as you said, Becky, sports is probably the worst place to go if you're really looking for role models and a bunch of people of high character. Now, look, we want it to be better, right? And there's the, the, the reason that we critique things and the reason that it's important to have open discussions about everything across sports, representation and racism and the behavior of the athletes. Like, I'm not saying we're supposed to bury that in the name of winning championships, but in the end, like that's where this is all going. Like the Rangers are trying to win a Stanley cup. Patrick Kane can potentially help them do that. They're going to sell a hell of a lot of 88 jerseys there. Most of the fan base loves this move too. And that's not because this fan base is filled with nothing but horrible people. It's just people who think he's an exciting hockey player and want the team to win. And I don't think that should be held against a lot of people. Well, and I yeah. just to that point, sorry, Dave, and then I'll let you talk because I know I'm talking a lot right now, but like that's I, I just like it's so it's very frustrating to me. I mean, like Kane is not a good person, but this is hockey culture is garbage. Like people were talking about the Kyle Beach situation and like, oh, well, he had such a bad reaction, bad response to that, and he wasn't supportive. And I'm like, that's fucking hockey culture. Like hockey culture is you can't like spit on a guy, but you can take a run at his head, right? Okay. You like, you're not going to see an openly gay hockey player. You're not like, these are the things that like this sport just does not give two shits about because at the end of the day, this is a poverty league. Like we all like it. We all enjoy it. But the way that this league is run and like the, uh, character, if I can use that term, if you can imagine me doing the biggest air quotes in the entire world of this league is disgusting. And so I feel like if you're going to, that that's why for me, I'm like, yeah, it sucks. I don't like Kane. I'm going to have a hard time rooting for him. But like, I watch the NHL and I also like, we'll watch the NFL and know how mm -hmm. horrible they are. And I will still watch it and be a fan of a team or enjoy the games. And, you know, inadvertently give them money like it it just it's like coming to terms with that which is why i'm saying like if if someone makes this their breaking point that is completely a personal choice and i'm not judging anyone for that that's not that's not for me to judge frankly but it i have a problem when when people who are making this their breaking point or supposedly making it their breaking point and really just complaining about it and then like you know whatever um like look at people who are like no like this is going to be great the rangers can win the cup or like if the rangers win the cup be like wow that was great because kane scored all these really great goals like like you don't get to be holier than thou about it like the point of people having a choice is that they have the choice to do what it is they believe or like watch in you know in this case watch and root for who they care for and it's not hurting you this is not hurting anyone else. This is not an action that someone is taking that is going to harm others. So I just like, that's, that's where I think it gets really like sticky for me. 
like I don't care if someone really does stop watching. That's completely fine. Yeah. You know? Well, the, and Dave, I'll let you go. I know this is the second time now we're doing this too. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. It's the same thing though with like the NFL is a great example with the concussion thing. A lot of people basically oh, yes. said, I will no longer watch football. And I don't think very many of them kept their word. And all you need to do is look at ratings to know that. So mm-hmm. there's an awful lot of grandstanding about that on the internet and nobody followed through. Everybody still watches the NFL. Um, Dave, what were you going to say? First, I was first one thing. I talk way too much on this anyway. So you get, you guys interrupt me as much as you guys want. Like you guys are much smarter than me with, the, with all this stuff. So I'm literally out of breath though from talking. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. So I did want to bring up a comparison that I believe it was Brandon in our chat brought up. And this for a lot of people felt like the five stages of grief. And I'm not going to be able to recite all five off the top of my head, but most of us eventually got to acceptance, which is where I'm at with this is we knew this was going to happen probably from last year. We knew this was going to happen at some point and none of us wanted to really believe it. We thought the Rangers would either give up too much or there would be something that would break the roster or something to that effect. And then they got Tarasenko and then all of a sudden the news came out again. And for me personally, I had accepted he's going to be a Ranger. And this is a gray area for me specifically. Kane on the ice is a known entity. He's one of the best slot line passers in the game. He adds a creative element to a team that desperately needs to be able to generate offense regularly. You put him on the right line and hopefully the top nine does what they need to do. That's hard to argue with. He is also, by all accounts, and this goes to the hockey culture thing that Becky was talking about, very well liked in the locker room. Mm-hmm. He was the glue of the Blackhawks locker room. And that says a lot about hockey culture. That is not me advocating for Patrick Kane. That is me saying his teammates love him. So the vibes argument that a lot of people are throwing out there isn't really doesn't have a leg to stand on because of this. But the off-ice issues, the cab thing, the sexual assault thing, this is something that is very difficult for a lot of people to stomach. And I personally am not a big fan of trading for Kane because of this. I think there are off-ice character issues, but I think it extends far beyond just the individual it goes to hockey culture especially with the kyle beach thing like becky was saying and there's just i'm not going to say this is the greatest trade in rangers history i'm not going to say it's the worst trade in rangers history like becky said if you are going to use this and say this is the last straw i'm done by all means you do you I am at that acceptance phase. I will be a lot more upset if the Rangers re-sign him next year. And I'm using mm-hmm. the Aroldis Chapman thing with the Yankees as my example. I accepted that initial trade. And then when they re-signed him after they dealt him to the Cubs, I was done. That was the breaking point with me f- for the Yankees. And quite frankly, with baseball in general, I don't know if that'll be a breaking point for me with the Rangers, but I will 
be disgusted if they re-sign him. Yeah, I know it's selling my soul for a little bit, and I know I'm going to take heat for that. But no, but I mean, I think look, this is this is the the thing about sports that makes it so interesting is that people are very very emotionally invested, right? You could even use the word addicted, right? Like you you can't not watch your team. It's like I know how I feel when I'm missing Ranger games. Like I'm like checking my phone every 30 seconds because I'm like, I can't believe I'm not watching this. What the hell's the score? It's this is how we are wired as sports fans. And and it does make this all difficult to reconcile with. But, you know, I think, Dave, the interesting that you you brought up just the fact that he is well liked and will be very well liked in this locker room. Right. You know, again, that is hockey culture, but that is that is how this that's how this operates. Right. And that's that whole thing. They look at the locker room. It's like the inner sanctum and it's only 25 people get to go in there. Right. It's the players and the coaches and a couple of trainers or whatever. And that's it. And again, the other thing that I keep coming back to with that is Capo Caco gave an interview right after he was drafted. They asked him who his favorite player was growing up. Patrick Kane. I believe like Alexi Lafreniere gave the same uh, answer. I think Philip Heedle said it at one point. We know how Artemi Panarin feels about him. Chris Kreider played with Kane on Team USA throughout his youth career. You know, their careers kind of coincided. Kane's a little bit older, but I, there's going to be no problem with him fitting into that locker room. I, I think this probably, you know, again, for the Rangers as a team, it's going to help the vibes because all of the nonsense that they've gone through for the past week plus is now over with. Their trade deadline's over. There are no more moves coming. This is the team that is going to go into the playoffs in in a you know about six weeks time, and now they get to just go play, and they feel like they got a great player uh, to to enhance their what they're you know what they're uh, going after here. So, um, JL, I want to get to you, and you know just for uh, if you have anything you want to add there, also want to see if you have that uh, Deion Sanders quote fact check, and then we'll go to the questions. So, Deion Sanders uh, said, "Be careful who you call a role model." And also Charles Barkley also said that athletes are not role oh. models as well. Also, the, yep. the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Yeah, so, we all, I, I definitely went through all five. I didn't feel depression yeah. with this one. I think I, I was, was a little bit, I wouldn't say depression. I would say upset and annoyed. So I kind of went through both of those at the same time, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, kind of the same Definitely went through those five stages with Correa, but, but so, <laughs> so <laughs> of course I have to bring it back to that, but, but, but to a more serious point now, uh, I'm going to try and I don't want to come off as ignorant because there are a lot of things that people experience in their own lives that I haven't experienced in my life. And being that I am a man and um, these things have not happened to me, I cannot speak out of turn. So I don't want that to become apparent. Um, so you guys pretty much hit on a lot of what I was thinking and I'm going to try not to reiterate it too much, but you know, the way that I, this is the way that I see things when I follow sports and entertainment, you know, like for example, one of my favorite comedians or entertainers, if anyone knows me for at least a week knows that one of my favorite entertainers is David Letterman. But the thing about Dave is that he's the perfect example of don't meet your your heroes or your 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 role models. So because I know that people have called him, you know, kind of crabby and he's kind of aloof and you know, funny guy, great personality, but doesn't seem to be very friendly to a lot of people. So when I when I as I've gotten older and I look at entertainment and even sports, you know, it's it's a 
place to enjoy things. It's a place to watch your favorite team play. And it, it's something that gets you away from the, the dailies of life and whatever. But you try, you know, I, I try not to get too wrapped up in things off the ice now, obviously. Beating up a cabbie and sexual assault is is nothing to you know laugh about. You know, it's not something you can make light of. And like Becky said, anyone that's that's the, that's the wonderful thing about you know f- this free country of ours is that we have the choice to do things that we want to do and not feel any repercussions from it. You don't want to watch the team because of Patrick Kane? By all means, that's up to you. No one's gonna judge you. No one's gonna get on your case about it. Those who do. There, it's it's too much. You know, is it something I would do? No, but I'm not going to judge somebody because they feel upset over it. But also on the same token, one, if that's the choice that you're going to make, then deal with the choice that you made. Don't come back if you, you know, all of a sudden you want to come back now because the guy that you don't like is gone. Well, you know, if you do, great. But if they decide to win, don't come back and say that you were there the whole way, you know, or this and that and the fourth. And also the whole holier than thou thing, Becky hit on it perfect. I can't really comment too much on that because she said it so well. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I just, I agree with it a hundred percent. So as far as Kane goes himself, I don't like the guy. Um, thankfully, I'm not paid to try and be the guy's friend. You know, I can only imagine how, you know, some people who feel the way that other people do that work on the Rangers organization have to deal with it. You know, it's kind of sucky, but, you know, it's a business. It is what it is. Um, would I invite him over to dinner? No, but it's when I when I watch sports, I root for I root for the 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 name in front of the jersey not the name on the back is it nice to have players who you know you can you know have your favorite and and wear their jerseys and do all that yeah absolutely i freaking have like four panarin jerseys for goodness sake you know but at the end of the day all things aside you know i'm gonna watch them and if patrick kane scores a game seven overtime winning goal in the cup i'm gonna be happy is it going to be Happy a little bit? Describe it, would it? I mean, come on. I, well, I'm going to be overtime. I don't know that I'm still breathing. To be, I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to be dead. You know, honestly, <laughs> let's just be real. All the cheering is going to trigger my asthma and just completely close off my, you know, my throat. <laughs> okay. Excuse me, but you know, and and a lot of people were saying this too when Tony D'Angelo was a Ranger, um, and for some reason Brendan Smith, because people just didn't like him. Um, I mean, I don't like him now, but well, I'm yeah, of course, I'm there. Think, any of us don't like him now. He's just on a freaking stupid team over the Hudson. But anyways, um, but, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to. Tony D'Angelo scores the game winning goal to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not going to cheer. I'm like. That's ridiculous. That's your, that's your choice. That's but come ridiculous. on. If Patrick Kane comes in and does what he's supposed to do. And the team does reasonably well, even to the point where they win a Stanley Cup. I'm not going to say, oh, well, you know, Rangers won the Stanley Cup, but like, that's what we all watch for. And people are going to do what they're going to do. People are going to feel what they feel. I'm not going to judge, not going to do all that. But, you know, like Becky said, you don't have to broadcast everything. Twitter, we've grown so unaccustomed to Twitter just being there for us to use as a utility that everyone feels. And also people want to get the likes and all that, like. Yes. Maybe I don't want to have to hear about right. It's it becomes yeah, it becomes grandstanding after a while. So 
it's a very delicate subject. I'm not really a fan of the guy as a person, but I mean, he's on our team now. Like Dave said, if they end up bringing him back and re-signing him, I won't exactly be happy per se. But, you know, at this point right now, it it is what it is. And anyone and, and, and this is going to sound crazy and I don't want to come off as offensive saying this. But like I mentioned at the start, if you decide to leave and you pick a team, stick with that team. Don't come and try and, you know, feel like, you know, you're rooted for the Rangers after they win. No. You didn't want to root for them now. Sorry. You don't really get to bask in the joy that we all really felt if they win the Stanley Cup. I'm sorry. And if that's harsh, please someone tell me. That's just how I feel about it. Well, and also if you're leaving and you are rooting for another team, I hope you're doing some like real deep recon work and make sure that there's right. no one who's has a sus past on that team. You know. Someone someone mentioned the Pagulas, and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to go down was, that rabbit hole now. Hmm. Today was the day. Today was Look, a fucking day, I, man. I'll, I'll say this, too, and then we should get to the questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. JL, you said that Panarin's one of your favorite players, <clears throat> and you have jerseys. I think Panarin's a lot of people's favorite player on this team, and he absolutely loves Patrick Kane. So what does that say about Artemi Panarin, right? I mean, and this is, this is my point, right? This is like the levels... At some point, it gets absurd, the levels to which you can go go to this and kind of twist yourself into knots about something that, you know, really at the end of the day is something that we do for enjoyment and entertainment. And, you know, again, because there's like emotional investment and, and, and a sense of community, right? We are a mm-hmm. community as Ranger fans. And, and at times, we like to eat ourselves and be really mean to one another because of the choices that we make as fans. And it's just, it can kind of get ugly and weird. And, you know, I just think that, in the end, uh, you know, I, I think we, uh, you know, kind of covered all the bases here, but people could do what they want to do. I think we've all are on the same page that, you know, while we, we do not like uh, this, this player as a person, the hope is that he does his job. He helps them on the ice and that, you know, he furthers the goal of, of this team, which is obviously winning a Stanley cup. He certainly makes them uh, cements them as a contender, but as we know, guys uh, switching it back to hockey, the Eastern conference is really, really deep. We've still got a couple of days to go before the trade deadline. So all of those teams around the Rangers will attempt to get better. Um, the Rangers appear to be done. And uh, this is the team they're rolling with into uh, into April and hopefully beyond. So with that, I think we should uh, hear some questions. Uh, JL, if you want to bring those up. Before all we right, get to the it. questions, I just want to point out the Arizona Coyotes have a great graphic oh my of God. Kane in a Coyotes jersey with a thank you message. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Man. That's, that's amazing. It is world class right there. It's very like Piazza with the Marlins. Like, just oh, that's world yep. class. That's, that's just absolutely because he did technically get traded to Arizona first. Yes. <laughs> that is world class. So, on that's his Wikipedia page, amazing. I think Arizona Coyotes needs to show up as a team. 100%. I'll edit it myself, if anything. Please do. (laughs) Now we know. All right. So first, should I first should I play the goal horn? Yeah. Let's transition to the the best segment of the show. Okay. Question time. So I guess I'm doing them tonight. So um, unless Becky wants to, you know, shank me and you know take it away from me um we've got a couple of questions here uh i read them before we started and some of them i'll tell you what 
you people and I don't want that to come off as crass. The fans and the people that listen to this podcast and give us questions, you guys are absolutely the best. I love these questions so much. These were probably every time the oh gosh, I'm like got mush brain now. For as long as I've been here with this wonderful crew, this is probably the best group of people that have interacted with the podcast and also doing this podcast as well. So I love the questions. So let's get started. Um, I just have to say that I feel very grateful today. All right. So the first question goes from our one of my favorite follows on Twitter. I say this all the time. Mr. Uh, Bill Seuss Bill. He asks, with all the talk of cap management throughout the year, especially the idea of paper transactions with our waiver eligible young players to maximize daily cap savings. Is there legitimate concern with how a young player on an ELC would react to getting their paycheck squeezed? Now that's interesting to note because I'm sure you guys all know now, I forget where I saw this tweet, but someone shared it in the chat. I think either Tyler or Brandon did. Well, basically when the Rangers demoted Braden Schneider, I think this is where that's coming from. When they demoted him, he th- I think he lost about $9,000 just when he got sent down for a day. It and was $4,500 a day. That's the math. $4,500 a day. Okay, so he was going to make going down to Hartford for the day a total of about $895 for the day. So yeah, like that. that's a little yeah. rough. That's yeah. a little rough. Uh, but what is the question? Does that like – are we worried about the players – so Not is there that well. is there legitimate concern with how a young player on an entry level contract would react to getting their paycheck squeezed? No, no, no. First off, you're still making God knows how much money. Second, your entry level contract is the definition of a show me deal. You make up all that money and what amounts to more or less what forty five hundred dollars a day, three days, nine, thirteen thousand five hundred dollars. He'll make that up on day one of his next contract. Uh, and any player would make that up. Think of all the taxi squad shit that we had to deal with during the COVID season. I mean, I, I, if it were me, I personally wouldn't have any issues. I would note it that they did it. And as long as they don't do it again, then I'm fine. Also, I mean, look, this was the worst kept secret in the NHL and certainly the worst kept secret among the Rangers brass and in the locker room. So Braden Schneider knew exactly what was going on. Everybody knew exactly what was going on with all of the machinations they had over the last three games with calling up Carpenter and dressing Schneider and Carpenter, not having them play just, you know, roster management, quote unquote, all that stuff. Just they knew they were openly talking about it with him and his agent, I'm sure. And the implication was like, hey, Braden, you're 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 gonna play every single game, obviously, once once this is done. You're gonna play in the playoffs, hopefully be a key piece of this thing moving forward, and you're gonna get it, uh, hopefully several contracts from us if you're if you prove yourself. So yeah, I don't think there's a legitimate concern there at all. But you know, I don't know. Maybe Becky sees it differently. I mean, I work with people who complain about money, so um <laughs> that's literally quite literally my job. Um but I will say, like, in my, like, I, I wouldn't think this is a big deal in my experience or, like, what my expectation would be is that, like, K- like Kane's going to come here and buy him dinner and that'll be it or buy him mm-hmm. a gift and that'll be it. And, like, yeah. you know, I look, I don't know, like, like 
people love Kane in the locker room, maybe because he does shit like that. We don't know. But like I that would not be unusual. Um, I think for us being like, oh, thirteen thousand dollars, like that's kind of a lot, but um, but not like it's just not it's not the same world that the our casual fans are are dealing with. Right. Well, you guys definitely said what again, you got I don't know if you guys have like implants in my brain but you're basically <laughs> picking everything that i say or that i'm thinking of and are just saying it so i'm gonna refrain from that because i don't <laughs> want to repeat myself so this next question comes from ryan o'hara at ryan o two two zero 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 and ryan asks should i be worried about the kid line usage now that gg has three lines where none of the players are under 27 including a fourth line who will for sure turn into the third line in close playoff games. Hmm. No. No. Too much offense is not a bad thing. This is not a bad thing. Is that what you're going to choose to do, to be upset that the the kids aren't getting enough play at the end of this year when we're going to assume Tarasenko and Kane are not going to be here next year? Like, is this what we're worrying about? (laughs) I also know that you know, Gallant has kind of shown his willingness to play the kid line more and more, especially, you know, with their playoff performances. So I don't exactly see them just vanishing. Yeah. Will he probably move a forward around a bit or two like he's done before for literally that purposes? he does all the time? Yeah. 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 Every coach does it as you should. Of course, as you should. Yeah. The, I mean, come on. This is like, you know, again, I like to bring up the Knicks here and I know basketball is not for everybody, but like it would do people like watch basketball once in a while, because like a lot of what happens is different five players will close every game, depending on game situation, right? Do you need three point shooting or do you need defense is one guy going that night? That's really, and as compared to another guy, you know, uh, if you do follow the Knicks, RJ Barrett, who's basically that the Knicks version of Capo Caco, right? They were drafted the same year high pick high expectations blah 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 blah. centerpiece of a rebuild he doesn't close a lot of games because the coach just goes with other guys and guess what the team is winning so i think my point is is that sure situationally they might play less in a close playoff game is he not going to play them though because is he just going to bench them for for periods at a time because as uh i guess it was ryan asks like oh well now he's got a bunch of veterans like no it's it's not about age and I think Becky, you brought up you brought up a great point too about too much offense not being a bad thing. It's not. And if you've listened to Gallant, you know, look, the rush chances against the last week or so were worrying. But he has also been pretty transparent and said, like, we are a fast-paced, high octane attacking team first. Like, we are not gonna play a slow down, grind it out style. We're not the team we were last year. I think that's a mark of a good coach. Now, whether or not his tactics are up to par and whether or not he makes the right adjustments in game, but he certainly adjusted the style this year to try and create more offense because that is the problem. The defense has been good enough. That is the myth about the Rangers that needs to end now. This team can play defense and it has the goalie. We, we are all in agreement that Igor will get out of the, the slump that he's been in. He wants them to create more chances, create more offense. That's the reason they didn't win last year. It's not because they didn't play good enough defense. So, I don't think we have any worries about the kid line. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. I have nothing to add. <laughs> you guys hit the nail on the head. I am not worried. Okay. 
Sounds good. I think we're all in agreement on that. No kidding, John Luke. Okay, next question comes from Mark Panzer at Pans21. John Luke, I'm sorry. Did you just make a kid joke? <laughs> like a pun? I, think, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really think I'm hearing much of myself lately. But uh, um, Is this an oh. out-of-body experience? You know what I think it is? <laughs> that's, I had a similar experience when I learned how to drive a car, but that's a different story for another day. All right. So, <laughs> gosh, I'm surprised you haven't fired me yet. Okay. Next question. Enough, 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 enough. Okay. So this is a two-parter, actually. And uh, I am very curious as to how you guys will answer these two, but it's a two-in-one, so to speak. This comes again from Mark Panzer at Pans21. And I think this first part is kind of joking, but I think he might also be serious. He says, do you think there are professional accountants that have used less math this past week than New York Ranger fans have had to? <laughs> and then the second question he asks is, he alludes to Drury making the lineups uh, galant-proof. And so he says, beyond an in-game tinker or a Kane or Senko swap, no wiggle room for galant, I guess, to make stupid changes to the lines. So regarding the accountant thing, it is currently accounting season. So I'm going to go with uh, accountants are doing a lot more math than Ranger fans did over the last four days. And in all fairness, 99% of us didn't do the math. We either decided, fuck it, somebody will tell us how this works eventually, or we watched the Puckpedia videos that they were putting out. And Those guys were great. Those guys were fantastic yes, they were. during all this. So I didn't do the math. I can tell you that right now. There was no way in hell I was trying to figure that shit out. Um, in terms of Gallant proofing the lineup, as long as the kids stick together, what options does he have? That's an actual question for us. Right. If the kid line sticks, and but it sounds like they're going to, they're going to be this year's version of Puglia, Broussard, Zuccarello. If that line sticks, what the fuck can Gallant possibly do to this lineup? You know for a fact Goodrow is going to be back in the top six at some point. Over who? It doesn't matter. You know for a fact it's going to happen. I mean, like Patrick Kane, after all this, would would literally quit off the ice. Like he would just leave <laughs> the game. He got benched for Barkley. I Goodrow. don't know. <laughs> I mean, like Kreider got sent down to the fourth line. He did. For like no, you're right. You're right. It's, he did. It's, it's fucking Gallant. He'll put Goodrow in anywhere. It's fine. Like, but I I think the point is like. It, I don't think that's going to be a consistent. I don't think we have the space to make that a consistent thing. And so who cares? Again, too much offense is not a bad thing. This is not a bad thing. This is yeah. a good thing. Galant has also been, I think, transparently with some of his lineup decisions, begging Chris Drury to bring in players like Tarasenko and Kane. They've been thin on the right side. Vitaly Kravtsov was not the answer. And oh, by the way, did not look very much like an NHL player in his first game with Vancouver. Now, I know it's his first game. We should give him some time. But I think, look, there was pretty much no market for him. And that was one of one thing we didn't even talk about. I mean, we've been going for well over an hour on this podcast already. And we haven't even brought up the Kravtsov trade. That was part of that what had to make had to happen in order for the Kane deal to, to go through. But they have not had depth or enough talent on the right wing all season, right? So... Chris Drury, again, he went a little bit more, uh, you know, with a home run swing this year as opposed to the pragmatic approach of last year. But he's like, you know what, Gerard, I, I hear you loud and clear. Here's Vladimir Tarasenko, 41 playoff goals. 
Here's Patrick Kane, 52 playoff goals, by the way. Looked at his stats before. Um, in 136 playoff games, Kane has 132 points, 52 goals, 80 assists. To be almost a point-per-game player in the playoffs is phenomenal, given what happens in the playoffs. As we know, things tighten up. There's not as much scoring. There's not as many penalties called. So that's just an aside to this whole thing. Look, this is the lineup Gerard Gallant wants. This is the type of lineup that he had in Vegas with a little bit less pure skill, which was a high-octane, go-go-go, attack-attack-attack type team. That's what this Ranger team is going to be. They were a little bit more methodical earlier in the year and last year. They were more of a dump and chase, grind it out, shoot a lot from the point type of team. That is not what we're going to see now. I think the kid line might play that way. They're kind of a cycle heavy, you know, keep the puck in the opponent's end for a minute type of line. But you're going to be looking for quick strike stuff from Kane and Panarin. You're going to look for quick strike stuff from Zibanejad and Kreider with hopefully Tarasenko being the trigger man. And then the other two lines are kind of your forechecking where the other opponent down type type of lines. But this is a much more high octane team now. And I think that's what Galant ultimately wanted. Well, you guys pretty much said again, what I've been thinking, please get out of my head guys. Well, the one voices, more, one more voices thing. are beginning to make me go crazy. <laughs> For the record, by the way, when I did do people's taxes, a lot of the math was done for me by the system. I just want to point that out. But that was many moons ago. So, Well, I'll say this before going on to the next question. For me, math is hard. So I definitely didn't do any math over this weekend. If I really wanted to do math, I would just let TurboTax do it. But that's beside the point. All right. So our last question comes from... Jess at Jessica Lynn 312. And this is also a two-parter. I think the second part is kind of a jokey question, but it's still pretty good regardless. She has very two important questions. One, which players beside Igor, obviously, do you want on the ice as the final shift before the clock strikes zero? And the Rangers win the cup. And two, which player will be the drunkest at the parade? <laughs> All right. I'm going to answer the last one first. The drunkest at the parade is a thousand percent going to be Panarin. One, one fucking thousand percent. There's no Probably other, no other answer. Yeah. yeah. You think so? I, I don't know. If Did they... Becky and I just agree? Oh, yeah. It happens. Oh, it happens what's... like, you know, I think there's a full moon or something. So What's going on? Maybe that's why I'm feeling sick. There's something off in the air. <laughs> I could see like a, yo- a low-key uh, Yarrow Halak. Being goofy moment there. It would be his first cup, bowling. right? It would be his first cup. Yeah, he's not won one before. I, I could see that. I could definitely I, see that. If well, I had to pick, yeah. hmm. I, you know, Panarin seems like the obvious choice, but yeah, it does. I think I think it'll be a mix between Igor, Kreider, or Patrick Kane. Yeah, Patrick. Well, Kane, I mean, yeah, he, he has yeah. A, he has a reputation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. But also, well, Kreider doesn't really. I mean, I don't know if he doesn't drink, but like he's a very strict diet, right? That's like kind of the joke. I think like, he might have one white claw and then be like, "Guys, I got to work out for next year." I no, well, go. or or he trainer. might have like you know one white claw and be like feeling it. Like <laughs> true. I mean, after I had our daughter, I was wasted off of one white claw. So it's (laughs) it's very possible. I could see Kreider, though, being like, all right, I'm going to celebrate for like four days and then get ready for next year. Like I could just, he just like seems like that guy. A cheat four days. Yeah. 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 
So there was also that first part. Who do we want on the ice? Yeah, like five guys to close it out. Oh, That's, great. Who's your close out? That's actually a great, honestly, a great That's question. That's a great question. Just from like a tactics perspective, right? What's your closeout lineup for this team? Right. So, well, you also don't know what the, what the, sorry, go Dave. I mean, the easy answer is the fourth line, which is a shutdown line. Maybe you replace Mott with Trocheck to win the faceoff if it's a defensive mm-hmm. zone faceoff. And yep. just in case you have Goodrow there to take the second faceoff, maybe he puts a better jet out there to take a third faceoff. Who the fuck knows? Um, but I think it's the fourth line, and I would sub out uh, Mott with um, Mott with Trocheck to take the faceoff and leave Goodrow as the second guy for the faceoff. And then on defense, uh, you got to go Lindgren Fox, right? Yes. But why are we assuming that it's going to be a tense situation? Like, what if they're up five to two? <laughs> oh, okay. I so it, I like that too. If they're up five to two, Kreider has to be out there. Lifelong yeah. Ranger. It has to be Kreider. It has to be Mika. Like, I want, you know, obviously Igor is going to be out there. I want Fox and Lingren out there. Fuck it. If it's five two, I want Hank out there. <laughs> <laughs> I want Panera. If it's out at there. the garden, he's going to be on the bench. But by, by this time, they'll let him on the bench. I'm, I'm almost yeah. sure. I think I want Panarin. I think that's my five. You want Panarin out there? I think I want. I think I want Panarin, Mika, Kreider, Fox, and Lingren. Okay, it's kind of the core of the the core of the new era, right there. Those are your those are your five guys. Yeah. Right. If I if I had to if I had to pick really quickly, if it's a close game, Goodrow, Kreider, Zibanejad, maybe Trocheck. Throw three centers out there, possibly with Kreider. Who knows? Lindgren Fox, obviously. But if it's kind of like a, you know, if it's kind of like a, a walk in the park and you know it's going to end, easy Panarin. Panarin, Trocek, Kane. And then, heck, even put Jacob Truba out there if you want, you know? Yeah, with Keandre. With Keandre, if it's kind of like a laugher or if it's. But you like want a, Kane out there. I mean, he's been a Ranger for min- one minute. Or Tarasenko. He's been a Ranger for two minutes. So, I mean. That's and he's already else. a bust if you listen to half of the fan base. Oh yeah, um, he's a bust. Oh, I know. God. And we gave Nine up so much in. for him. We gave oh, up Sammy Blay. We gave up Sammy Blay for him. And oh, how could we be so stupid? <laughs> and I'll, I'll reiterate this tweet that I wrote. There's no other fan base that hates the Rangers more than Ranger fans. Yep. Yeah. So especially when I see stuff like that. But yeah, that, that's just my predictions for who I'd want on the ice. Ideally, so, I would like like to get Henrik back and just put him on the bench and have him lift the cup. That would be nice. But Yeah. Also, I'm going to assume that this is going to be close because uh, I've, I have the final shift of when they won in 94 kind of burned into my brain. And that was like two icings that shouldn't have been called. And there were, there were three defensive zone draws. And of course the Rangers have given up a bunch of late tying goals throughout the playoffs that year, most notably to the Devils in Game 7, Valeri Zelopukin. Um, so I think we know this team is going to make a sweat if they are going to actually do this. Uh, and if that's the case, yeah, I think you've got to have Trocek. I, I knew exactly what you were going to say, Dave, and I couldn't agree more. Trocek's out there with Goodrow because either can take the draw. And then I think, see, I think you go uh, Mika, though. I think you actually go essentially with three centers on that shift just in case. Plus Mika's their best two-way forward. So Mika, Trocek, Goudreau, Fox and Lindgren, obviously as defense. So I think that's your lockdown five. Um, 
practically speaking, though, you know, they're going to be in that situation a lot over the course of the next 22 games plus playoffs. I think you're going to see a lot of Jimmy Vesey late. I think you're going to see some Tyler Mott late um, in addition to kind of the usual, you know, Barkley Goodrow getting promoted to the first line over Tarasenko, right? Late in games, you know, we'll see, we'll definitely see some Criders advantage at Goodrow. Um, and you'll probably see some VZ instead of Kane uh, with Trocek and Panarin to, to kind of, you know, play some defense late in the game. And, and again, this is all about uh, sacrificing for the, the individuals, making sacrifices for the team, right? Um, Kane and Tarasenko should have no problem missing a shift or two late in a game if it means their team's locking down a victory. So, um, yeah, I think that that's uh, back to the original question, though. I'm seeing nothing but a nail biter. And those are the five guys I want out there if they're uh, protecting a, a one goal lead six on five. I just want Mika out there. Mika's got to be out there. He's too good defensively. I mean, that block shot against the LA Kings, come on. And then coming back and scoring a goal. And his wife is pregnant. I just yes. like my heart. I had a great rant, and I guess I'll save it for next week because it's not really relevant. But Mika's advantage is just so underrated. He is he is this team's most indispensable player, and we'll talk about that next week. A little teaser, I like that. Absolutely. So anything else, guys? Our, any? Yeah, that's our question. That's it, right, segment. Dale? Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's it. Sorry, didn't mean to step on your toes there. Um, nope, you're all good. right, let's go round the table one more time. Final thoughts. We'll go to you, Jail. Patrick Kane. I'm glad he's here. Not a fan of him personally. If we win a cup, yay. If not, boo. But you know what? Let's go Rangers. We're here for the ride. I'm here for it. Uh, Becky. Yeah, I mean, the pressure's on now. I will say, like, you know, you can tell, like, I agree with JL. Like, no one hates the Rangers like Ranger fans do. Um, You know, can't tell anyone anything, but... Like if you, if this is the breaking point, it's the breaking point and that's completely fair and like well within your rights. But if not, like it's going to be a really fun spring and summer. So like buckle up and it's going to be great. And LFG. Dave. If you were to tell me that the Rangers would have to go through three very good teams just to get to the Stanley Cup final, I would be shocked. <laughs> I'm sensing some sarcasm on that one. Uh, minor sarcasm. It's the takes about, oh my God, the Rangers are not going to beat any of, what was it, the Devils, the Hurricanes, the, the Penguins, the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Leafs. First off, they may... Uh, We've already seen them beat the Canes once. That went six games, I believe. Seven. No, they beat them in seven, but it was seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they beat the Canes once. I believe the Rangers have the deepest team out. The only team that can compete with the Rangers is the Leafs in terms of roster depth on paper. But the Rangers can beat anybody in seven games. They're going to have to face good teams. Oh, wow. Yeah, Fuck. The they have to beat good teams. Oh, no. Well, well you know what, Dave? Tell that, to, tell that to Secret Devils fan Russell Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> he really has been. He, he's shaken in his boots about the Devils for like three months now. And he's um, been doing it for about a year. Love you, Russ. Uh, that's this, a shade. That was, that was excellent. That was great shade. I, I kind of want to end it on that. That was awesome. Yeah, Rob, you have no more thoughts. So sorry. Yeah, I have no more thoughts. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, no, listen, I mean, it's, I think this is going to be one of the most fun teams to watch now with Patrick Kane here. So let's see what it looks like starting on Thursday at MSG. Uh, if you're lucky enough to be there, enjoy yourself. Should be a great atmosphere. Um, and in the meantime, thank you so much, all of you, for listening each week. And live from the Blue Seats, we'll be back next week. So long. Thank you.